We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another one of our Conversations not so here with Dan, but our Conversations with Dan video series. Once again, we want to thank each and every one of you who have been watching us on Facebook or YouTube or listening to our podcast, and especially if you have taken, a time, taken the time to share this with a friend or family member or just putting it out on your own social media accounts. We really appreciate how you have helped us grow and expand this offering, as well as many other things that we've been producing through the Broadway Church of Christ this year. As I already alluded to the fact that Dan isn't here with me today, he's actually been preparing for a variety of other seminars and classes and studies. Um, he and I talked and we decided to go ahead and declare an early Christmas break. We're not going to be leaving you guys alone. We are going to be putting out our most watched videos over the past year. If you're on the podcast, you're going to continue to get some of those episodes that haven't been released on the podcast just yet. So these may be brand new to you. No matter what, we are going to continue to supply you with some good content for the remainder of the year. But before I toss you to this week's episode, which is going to be our most viewed video of 2020, as far as in our conversations with Dan, I do want to again remind you that we've got a lot of other content pieces available on our Broadway Church of Christ YouTube channel. I'm going to put up the information here. The links will be down in the descriptions on the variety of places we're posting this. But if you are interested in some of Dan's other teaching, if you're interested in our worship services, the sermons that are coming out of that, uh, I would really encourage you, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out what else is there. But that leads me to the question that I want to really ask of everyone is, what are your pluses, minuses, your likes, your dislikes, your suggestions for this format in the coming year? When we come back in 2021, is there anything that maybe we haven't covered or some things we covered you'd like us to go back to? Changes to the format in general that you would suggest? We're not just fishing for compliments. We're genuinely wanting to know what would be something that would be of use to you and your spiritual growth or in your outreach to friends and family, people in your community. What would be something that would be useful to you in the coming year? Again, not fishing for compliments. Go ahead, let us have it. You can put them in the public even. That'll be okay. Uh, but if it's something that you would rather discuss with us privately, as always, you can reach out at our info at broadwaycoc.com. That's where just our general requests come into, and we can get that and respond to you privately in that space. So thanks again for watching. We're going to go ahead and toss you to the 2020 Most Watched episode. Have a great week. Okay, podcast listeners. 
Just to let you know, I'm not actually going to be tossing you to the top video from 2020. If you want to watch that one again, you can jump over to YouTube or Facebook uh, or just go back to our February 5th episode on our crosses and pictures of Jesus' idols. The rest of our top three, just in case you're curious, uh, number two was, is there hope for Esau's descendants? And number three was, does Satan answer prayer? For you guys and gals who are listening on our podcast, I'm going to go ahead and play an episode that we aired back on August 30th of 2018. It's one of the earliest episodes that we haven't yet aired on the uh, podcast. Earliest, I guess, is relative if you're thinking about time from then to now. Not necessarily earliest in the whole history of our podcast. Anyway, however you want to view it, from August 30th on 2018, it's called Who Gets the Collection? Uh, Money is a touchy subject for a lot of people, and a lot of people tend to shy away from it, but we went ahead and discussed exactly who is getting the money. Is it the church? Is it an individual? Is it a mission work? Some different things there. So maybe this will be a good discussion for you to dive into. I know, especially this time of year, there's lots of discussions about charities needing money and things. So I would encourage you to give it a listen, and we look forward to hearing whatever other feedback you may have for us that I talked about earlier, and hope that you'll stick around and continue listening to us in the coming year. Have a good Christmas, good new year, We'll see you next time. For this week, we've talked about the Lord's Supper, and we've spent a lot of time talking about that. Most congregations at the same time in service will follow the bread and the cup with the time of giving. You eat the bread, (laughs) you drink the cup, and then you pay for it. That's not really what happens. No, that's that's not right. Okay, go ahead. That was a kind that of was a, a joke. There was a joke from the last video. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but they have this collection at the end, and some people feel funny about it and different things. But the question related to the giving for this week is: the money that's put in that plate is that just, as some would phrase it, a collection for the saints? Is it just for the church, or is it able to be used outside of the church? And then kind of the person who asked it followed up and said, if that's the case, is it like for church members first and then what's left over goes outside? Is there any biblical direction on what to do with it? Well, there was always a collection. And um, the Israelites, of course, were commanded in the law to give a tenth. Mm-hmm. The the all of the tribes gave a tenth, and that was given to the tribe of Levi, and then the tribe of Levi turned around and gave a tenth of the tenth mm. to the priest, the family of Aaron. Yep. And uh, then there were special contributions on top of that, like for the building of the temple and uh, things like that. Exodus thirty five, thirty six, and so. Um, you know, there's always been a, a collection. Uh, even before there was a Jewish uh, Levitical system, in Genesis 14, Abraham gave a tenth to Melchizedek. Oh. And uh, this uh, is shown in the New Testament to show that that Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, Genesis 14... 
And down about right there. Yep, there in verse 20. And uh, the end of verse 20 says, Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Talking about Melchizedek. And if you look at uh, Genesis 28, uh, around the very end of the chapter, after Jacob has his dream of the ladder coming down from heaven and God makes him a promise to be with him and everything. Mm -hmm. Look at the way that ends there. Uh, Genesis 28, right at the end. Yeah. Okay. Last verse. Last verse. Genesis 28, 22. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So Jacob, who's not under any particular law or anything, he decides to give God a tenth. And I've often said, you know, how, how was he going to accomplish that? Well, the only way I know to accomplish that is to give it to somebody who is a representative of some way of God, like mm-hmm. Melchizedek was, the priest. Abraham gave it to the priest. So maybe Jacob gave it to a priest in the order of Melchizedek. We don't know exactly, but he had to yeah. give it to somebody. You can't just like, you know, you take your check. It's like the check you put in the casket to pay the guy back, you know. for <laughs> It's uh, not going to do him any good. You take your check and you throw it out there in the desert and on the ground and you say, here it is, God. No, it doesn't do any good that way. So. Yeah. So we know that's not what he did. There's some order to it. There's some kind of a person or a group that represents God that you give the money to. Okay. This was the same thing in Israel. Now, when you come to the New Testament, for all you out there that are screaming, that's in the Old Testament, oh, don't tell me. If you come to the New Testament, um, you see, of course, in, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, the widow's might. Yeah. Uh, you see Jesus saying, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. So Jesus, as a practicing Jew, did that. But when mm-hmm. we come into the New Testament church, uh, we see the, the Christians in Acts 2, in the uh, latter part of Acts 2, <clears throat> um, like verse 43 and 44 and 45, mm-hmm. uh, having their possessions in common and helping those in need. Yep. And then when you go over to chapter 4 of Acts, you see some more of this in verse 32 and following. Read there a little ways, 32 to 35 there, Jed. Okay. This is Acts 4, 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy person among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought their money for the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. All right, so there was a central place where the money was collected to take care of the needs of God's people. Mm -hmm. It was laid at the apostles' feet. I don't think they had those little golden trays. Or like the wicker we, or, baskets. Or the wooden ones, probably. Yeah. They laid it at the apostles' feet. Maybe it was put on a blanket or something. I don't know. Probably not the important part. Yeah, it's probably not the important <laughs> part. But they laid it at the apostles' feet. And then it tells us about uh, Barnabas, who did the same thing at the end of that chapter. And he mm-hmm. brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Yeah. And then you know, everybody knows the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who sold some land and lied about the price and... They also brought it and put it at the apostles' feet in Acts chapter 5, verse 2. And, of course, the point was made there that you shouldn't lie about what you give to God. Mm -hmm. It should be be open and forthright and honest, and we know that story. But 
And so in all of these, we're still talking about taking care of God's people or serving His apostles or church or yes, just in some way it's still related back to yes. I was God's just establishing people. that there was a central collection sure from the very beginning. <clears throat> now, when you go to chapter six, you have this thing about the Grecian widows that were getting neglected, yeah. but it says in verse one at the end they were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Hmm. That shows me that there was uh, money being spent on food to feed people. Yeah. Yeah. So so uh, these were Christians, and this was a different situation because all those people that came from Pentecost from those other countries didn't go home. They all stayed there. Yeah. And uh, the Jerusalem church took on the task of taking care of them and uh, taking care of their brothers and sisters. When you go over to Acts 11... Okay. Read me verse 29 and 30 there. Well, actually, maybe 27 through 30, Acts 11. 11, 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, mm-hmm. stood up and through the Spirit pre- predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. They did they, they, This they did by sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. All right, so the disciples in Antioch, you know, go back to Acts eleven twenty six. the disciples mm-hmm. were called Christians first in Antioch. Right. They decided, each one according to his own ability, to provide a contribution and send that to... Um, the people in Judea who were their brothers and sisters. And again, they sent it to the church leaders to distribute it to other people. So you're still really in the, in the realm of uh, doing things for the other Christians. Right. All right. So <clears throat> we have similar teaching in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Okay. where um, the churches of Galatia and the churches of Greece were combining their efforts in a contribution for the poor in Judea. Um, let's read 1 Corinthians uh, 16 and uh, 1 through about 4. <clears throat> now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. All right. So in uh, the, the giving was done on the first day of the week. Uh, the NIV translates it saving it up, but the word is thesarizo, like the word thesaurus. Oh, yeah. And I think it could be translated placing it in a common treasury. Mm. And uh, it, uh, the money was collected, and it was collected uh, ahead of time so that it would be ready, and it went to Jerusalem. And, and this was the, the basic... Uh, practice of the church to do this on Sunday. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you have more information about that mm-hmm. <clears throat> and how all these churches wanted to be involved and how they planned it a year in advance and uh, they did all this. But still... Mm-hmm. 
And something that's different about a lot of the passages in the New Testament versus the Old Testament, in the Old Testament it really emphasized the tenth. And you gave a tenth and it was it had that. Whereas here you start getting more of the uh, the sum of money in a you know, kind of in relation to your income or what you have available or yes. what you've decided. I don't think that means though especially when you take into account the widow's might where she gave everything she had. Sure. And <clears throat> how that in 2 Corinthians 8, the uh, uh, Thessalonians or the Macedonians, they they gave out of their deep poverty, mm-hmm. you know, generously. Um, I don't think we should come to the New Testament and say, you know, now that God has sent his only son and died for us and given everything for us, now we can all cut our contributions. We can give what? Yeah, no, I'm trying. <laughs> I, I'm get, getting at the, um, even going back to the heart of the question, I think some of it is <clears throat> dealing with your heart. Where are you giving to? Why do you want to give? Um, it's not a regulated give a certain amount. Yeah, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Yeah. But we ought to give as much as we can. Sure. And so continuing to think about who we're wanting to serve, would it be a pattern that we're seeing established that if you're part of the body of Christ, isn't that kind of your first priority where you would be looking to? Yes, it is. And um, as we continue in how this money was spent, Mm -hmm. in um, 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 14, Paul makes it very clear that part of the usage of this money is to Uh, support those that preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. Read 9.14 for me there. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. All right, so, you know, those people are going to be trying to share the word, and we're supposed to support those that do that. Mm -hmm. Go to Galatians 6, and uh, let's start about, what, verse 6 or so? Okay. Read read me verse 6 through 8. All right. Uh, Galatians 6, starting in verse 6. Anyone who receives instructions in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. All right, so let's just stop right there. Verse 6 is saying you need to support those that are teaching you the word. Mm -hmm. And it's followed immediately by... If you spend your money on the things of the flesh, you reap corruption. But if you sow or spend mm-hmm. your money on the things of the Spirit, you reap life eternal. Those two are not disconnected. No. Yeah. And then look verse 9 and 10 there because it might broaden our discussion here just a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> and then it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. All right, and I think that um, we're taught there clearly that we're supposed to do good. Now, doing good, if you follow that um, terminology to do good throughout the New Testament, Titus chapter 3, do Mm -hmm. good to all men, uh, that means benevolent acts of some kind. And clearly he says they're do good to all people, but especially. So it doesn't mean we can't and shouldn't help other people outside the church when they need help. But our priority should be those of the household of faith. The church does not become a full-blown welfare agency to everybody out in the world. Yeah. Um, The... um, 
the the most of the benevolent work out in the world, I think, was probably done by individual Christians. Uh, we have mm-hmm. uh, plenty of uh, passages that talk about, you know, the good Samaritan that helped the person when they needed help, and he paid for the, he didn't he didn't call up the synagogue and say, <clears throat> "Sorry, I've got this person yeah. that needs help. Could the synagogue help him?" He just helped him. Yeah. And First uh, Timothy six verse seventeen and eighteen talks about those that are rich in this present world. I've got too many pieces of paper. One Tim six. You're you're way past James. Let's get back here. I know. Into one Tim. I know. I got to clear the paper out of the Bible to get to that section. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, command mm-hmm. them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Mm-hmm. So if we have wealth, we should look around us and help people who need help. Um, the Galatian churches as a whole were told to do good to all men, but especially to the household of faith. Yeah. But Christians are told to see needs and to establish, I mean, to help those needs themselves. Yeah. So I think from reading the New Testament that I could probably say that most of the benevolent work out in the community in the first century was probably done by individual Christians. But I don't think it's wrong for the church to do anything that God commands us to do. Like Galatians 6.10. Do good to all men, but especially those that are household of faith. Now, let's let's talk about single women, single mothers that may be stretched with, uh, you know, they may be having difficulty. There were widows in 1 Timothy 5. Mm -hmm. And Paul told Timothy not to put any young widows on the permanent support list. Those widows had to meet certain qualifications, and they had to agree never to marry again, and they had to agree to work for the church for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. and they had to be 60 years older, old or above. And uh, he said the young widows should not be put on that list. That doesn't mean that, that individuals or the church couldn't help a younger widow with children or whatever if she needed some help temporarily but they were not to make them wards of the church ah that was only for those that were 60 years and above and would work full-time for the church for the rest of their life and not get married Hmm. so those stipulations like that are there and then there was one other thing i was thinking about that needed to be oh james chapter one Okay. Um, <clears throat> this is one of those general directives about what pure religion looks like. Yeah. Read 27 there. <clears throat> One twenty-seven. Religion mm-hmm. that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. All right, so God tells us to look after the orphans and the widows. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he doesn't say just the ones that are members of the church any more than he says uh, 
you know, in Galatians 6.10, do good to all men, right. especially to those households of faith. Certainly those ought to be our priority, but I think having those scriptures, it's not wrong to help temporarily people that are not part of the church. Now, there is a stipulation even, I think, on, on that. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter 3. <clears throat> and uh, here we want to go to about... I know verse 10 is where I'm headed, but maybe a verse or two before that. Second so, Thessalonians 3. 3. And let's try 6 through 10. How about that? Okay. Now, in the name of Lord Jesus, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know that we ought know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because you, we do not have the right to such a help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. All right, so we do not want to create a situation where people just sponge off of the church and don't work if they can work. And we've talked mm -hmm. before about the fact yeah. that many people are disabled, they're not able to work, yeah. <clears throat> they're ill, they may be regularly looking for work and can't find it. We're not talking about that. But we're talking about professional freeloaders, you know, that just want to yeah. freeload and are lazy and they want to smoke dope and not work or something like yeah. that. Okay? They, they've decided <clears throat> it's the church's job to take care of them. In fact, Paul says, don't do it Yeah, because we're doing more harm than good. So. All those things stir into maybe the answer to this person's yeah. question. So maybe if we boiled it down as trying to take all these passages and give kind of the guideline, it's you take your collection on a weekly basis, you present it to the church. To the yeah, leaders of the to church. To the leaders of the church. <clears throat> and then they're going to decide how to distribute it as there is need. Right. And you would look after people who are teaching the word, you would look after fellow Christians who have various need. Yep. And then beyond that, if there's a need in the community or something, there's nothing to hinder you from doing that. Right. But we should probably be discerning in what sort of state we're creating in those people's lives through yes. that. Yes. And, and, you know, anything that God commands us to do, I feel like that that... that you know, even the even you know to go preach the gospel. That mm -hmm. means you're going to have to pay for transportation, housing, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But um, if if God commands us to do it, I feel like we're on safe ground to spend church money or our own money in doing that. Yeah. But um, there certainly is the priority of first the Christians, those that are preaching the gospel, yeah. and then whatever. So that's okay. clear there. Yeah, and there, like I say, there's several other passages we could go to and really deep dive into some of these concepts, but but that's a pretty good overview of how it was established in the Old Testament and carried out all the way through the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So if there's any further questions on that, like we always say, send those in. But we appreciate this one and your desire to make sure we're doing right by the things that we're given. We don't have any prayer cloths to sell or anything like that. No. No, we okay, don't. we're not doing that's, any that's of that. Not, no. Okay, we're it's good. It's not what we're doing with the money today. Okay, then. I got you. 
Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.